Yeah. Open your Bibles this morning, if you would, to the book of 1 Kings. I started to say the book of Elijah. <laughs> the book of 1 Kings. And we're going, to, uh, uh, we're going to talk about a dilemma that Elijah has. And in the dilemma, then we're going to look for the answer to it in the beautiful Christmas story. Because we, we find that the Lord has, not only did Jesus come in that, but those that were used of God to bring about Jesus to earth, they are, it's so miraculous in their life, and they have such answers for us. Okay, all right, in the book of 1 Kings, chapter, 9, verse, uh, 19, verse, uh, chapter 19, verse 16, it says, And Jehu, the son of Nimshi, you shall anoint to be king over Israel. And Elisha, the son of Shaphat of Abimelech, you shall anoint to be prophet in your place. Now, I skipped over purposely uh, 1 Kings uh, chapter 19, verse 15, where there was another assignment. At this position, what has happened is Elijah has been discouraged, and he has moved into depression. I want you to know that's what fear will do. Anytime the enemy can convince you, uh, see, fear is just believing what the devil says, but faith is believing what God says. And so anytime that the enemy can move you into fear, right behind that is discouragement. Whatever it is that you, you just need to stop and say, God, do, is this something I need to be afraid of? And then you need to let God's word talk to you. Because fear will move you into discouragement and discouragement then will move you into depression. And then depression will move you into deception. So that's what happened to Elijah. Mighty prophet, mighty used of God, mightily the Lord had just so miraculously used Elijah. But all of a sudden, he moves into that. He moves in fear. He begins to listen to the voice of fear. I tell you what, if you're going to ever accomplish anything for the Lord, you're going to have to understand you can't own all of those thoughts that go on in your head. Because the enemy is busy placing thoughts in all of our heads and trying as much as he can to convince us of their, their reality. But Jesus taught us in Luke chapter 4 that you can't own every thought you have. In fact, that's the way Satan fought against Jesus. That Satan fought him with these words being spoken to him, but they did not line up with the Word of God, and so Jesus was smart enough to just reject them. I'm here to tell you this morning, whatever has been spoken to you, whatever the enemy, whatever words are being told you, that's not what Jesus has promised you, then you need to not own those words. You need to realize where those words are from, and you need to reject them in the name of Jesus. And we can be like the Lord. God's called us to, for Him to be my, our example, not only in the way we live, but the way we fight. And so we have to learn to fight the devil by fighting words. Now, Elijah evidently didn't do that. He began to listen to the fear. Then it wasn't long he was in depression. Then it wasn't long then he was moved into deception. Now he finds himself standing in front of a cave, so desperately needing for recovery. As he stands in front of the cave, what he had moved into deception is he began to say, I'm the only one. That's what his thought was. I'm the only one that's really serving you. I'm going to tell you, if you, when you move into that place, know that that is of the enemy and that is deception. Because the Lord, the God very quickly straightened that out in Elijah and said, No, Elijah, you're not the only one because there's 7,000 just like you that love me with all their heart. 
And so we got to realize that when the devil begins to speak to us, not to own his words, and especially we must begin to fight them until they, the enemy releases that mental attack that he has against us. So, but Elijah didn't do that. In fact, when he was standing at the door of the cave, at the cave's mouth, and he was in deception, and he said, God, I'm the only one that's still serving you. Then the Lord began to work a, a uh, recovery for Elijah. God spoke to Elijah. God appeared to Elijah there. And then God spoke to him. The Bible says that he heard this still, small voice. That normally should be encouraging. I mean, it should normally be encouraging when God talks to us. It should normally be encouraging when that we have so much of God's Word written out from Genesis to Revelation. But see, Elijah did not let that word encourage him. In fact, after that experience, he still had the same deception. He told God again, I'm the only one. No, Elijah, you're not the only one. I have others that's fighting through just like you're fighting through. So whatever it is that the devil has tried to tell you that you're the only one, you need to just stand up and tell that rascal, I'm not the only one because others have fought this battle and won it too, and I'm going to be like them. I'm going to win this thing for the glory of God. So whatever the battle is, you need to begin to respond back to the, to the enemy and let him know. So what happened is then, then so the Lord, God just continues that God doesn't give up. God is so wonderful. You may feel that you've messed up so far that you're on the backside. God's here to tell you that He still loves you, that He still cares about you, that He still wants to help you, and He can revive you, and God can still use you. In fact, what we're talking about today is how to be the person that God can use or what type of people are used by God. So here at this place where the Scripture we just read in 1 Kings chapter 19, God had just spoken to Elijah and said, Elijah, I have three assignments for you to do. It's so sad when it says at the very last assignment, he said, I want you to go and anoint somebody to stand in your place. I want you to know if you don't, if you don't follow through with the purposes of God, God has somebody that's ready to take your place. It's God's will that you would be able to complete the task that God's called you to. You know, life doesn't make sense until you come to the knowledge of two things. One thing is that God has created me. God created me. And then the second thing, God put me here for a purpose. Unless you know those two things, life might make no sense to you. You have highs and lows and rounds about. But when you come to that, to realize that I have a purpose, God put me here on this earth for a purpose, and I'm going to really experience life only if I live out that purpose. Now, it takes some people a lot of years to finally figure that one out. (laughs) And it took Moses a number of years to finally figure that one out. But God wants us to know right up front, if we're going to experience the life that he has for us, we've got to understand, number one, that God created us, and number two, God has a purpose, and he put us here for that purpose. And so Elijah at that point, did you know Elijah never did what God said? Now, Elijah did finally get recovered because we find out that in the transfiguration in the New Testament, when appeared with Jesus, Elijah was part of the group that appeared with Jesus. So, praise God. <laughs> Some people just make it in by the skin of their teeth. But, but, uh, but I tell you what, the Lord wants you to know that He has purpose in your life. Amen. 
And in the, in the very process, but so Elijah, what he did was, he did do one thing out of the three things that God told him. He went down and he anointed somebody to take up his place that he was no longer able to fulfill. So he anointed Elisha. And when he anointed Elisha, Elijah continued and did the other two that Elijah couldn't do. That's sobering. God's got somebody to take my place. It's not the will of the Lord that God would have somebody to take my place. It's not the will of God. It's the will of God that I would be able to complete the task that God put me on earth to do. And the truth of the matter, if I'm going to have the real peace and the joy and the happiness that God has for me in my life, I'm going to have to find out that purpose and I'm going to have to fulfill that purpose in life. Amen. Now, to answer that, I want to go all the way across. We're going to go into the New Testament now. And we're going to talk about this morning the type of person that God uses. And we're going to find it in the precious mom of Jesus. We're going to find it in Mary. We're going to pull out three simple qualities because it's not complicated. God made sure that the most important things in life are not complicated. That the most important things in life, they're simple, where, where that we can get it. In fact, the Bible even says so a babe can even get it. A child can even understand it. When what happens to us in life, though, we try to make it too complicated. And God is all the time saying, just do what I said do. Just do what I said. Trust me. Trust me. Trust me. And do what I said do. So we're going to look at it in the life of Mary. In Luke chapter 1, verse 26, it says, God sent an angel, Gabriel, to Nazareth, the town of Galilee, to a virgin, pledged to be married to a man named Joseph. The virgin's name was Mary. Now, there's a lot of misconceptions about Mary. Uh, there's three that we just kind of need to talk about. Uh, number one, the Bible doesn't tell me to pray to Mary. Mary was, lived a wonderful life, and we're going to find out how she had the type of person or she was the type of character that God could greatly and mightily use her. But the Bible didn't tell me to pray to her. And the Bible did not tell me that Mary was God. There's only one that fulfills that purpose and that role. Amen. And the other thing, that the Bible doesn't tell me that she was sinless. She made mistakes. She had to overcome issues. She had to overcome circumstances. But, but by her being that normal, it gives me great hope that I too can make it. Amen? I too can break through this thing. So, all right, why did God choose Mary? It wasn't because of her education, because she didn't have any. It wasn't because she was wealthy, because she was really poor. It wasn't education, and it wasn't wealth. And it wasn't her maturity because she was a teenager. But God chose her. Wasn't education the reason God chose her. And it wasn't maturity the reason God chose her. And it wasn't because she was wealthy. So, hey, I'm beginning to learn I can qualify. <laughs> right? I'm beginning to say, hey, maybe there's a chance for me. <laughs> and so maybe God can use me. In Luke chapter 1, verse 29, it says this about her. It said, confused and disturbed. This is what happened when the angel spoke to her. It said, confused and disturbed, Mary tried to think what the angel could mean. Don't be frightened, Mary, the angel told her. For God has decided to wonderfully bless you. And then again, don't be frightened. So God is telling Mary not to be. The word that, that we get here from the word confused is from a Greek word meant petrified. She was stark crazy afraid. But, you know, I can't say much about that. Now, what would you think about if an angel just appeared right here? 
I used to have the I used to have the uh, the best fun when I was working on a on a uh, construction job, because um, on the construction job you're always looking for somebody you can witness to and minister to. And so I have the most fun. I go out there and I say, "Today I'm an angel, and if I disappear, don't let it bother you." <laughs> but you can just you can just imagine, you can just imagine what what happened when this angel appeared. She became petrified. She became frozen. She was frozen. But you know what? She did not let those fears control her. Now, next Sunday, we're going to talk about addressing those fears. And we're going to deal with those fears. And we're going to walk through them really one at a time. And next week, we'll talk about that. But she did not let them go. I'm going to ask you this morning, what are you afraid of? What is keeping you from obeying God? What is stopping you? What is stopping you from doing what God told you to do? What are you afraid of? The Bible says there's only one thing that we need to fear, and that's to fear God. Because God, amen, God has the ability and the power to make and to break. So what God's speaking to our heart is we don't have to fear those other things. Amen? All right, God chose Mary because why? Because she just simply trusted God. She wasn't the richest and she wasn't the smartest and she wasn't the most mature. But what Mary did have going for her, that she trusted God. And that brings it down home. That brings it to a place where each, each one of us. So we're going to talk about what was her antidote for that fear. She was having that fear. The Bible says she became petrified underneath that fear when that angel spoke to her and told her what was going to happen. I mean, can you imagine? Can you imagine what it would be if you had to go tell your fiancé that you was pregnant? You was fixing to have God? That would be a little scary, wouldn't it? Huh? <laughs> And, and can you think about the responsibility that you would have to raise God? <laughs> so we can see a little bit of understanding, but what was her antidote for it? It was three major things. I'm going to list them for you, then we're going to talk about them real quickly this morning. The first thing, that God uses people who desire to do His will. Simply, God uses people who desire to do His will. The second thing we're going to talk about is God uses people who desire decide to pay the cost because there is a cost involved with you obeying God. And the third thing is God uses people that dare to trust His promises. God uses people that would dare to trust His promises. God uses people who desire to do His will. I want to ask you this morning, what is, what is your desire? What are you desiring to do? Is your desire to retire, refire? What, what, what is your desire? But, but your desire to do God's will, if that's not the strongest desire inside of you, then you will never, ever be able to accomplish God's will. God's will has to exist in you to the point to where it's the strongest desire that you have. This is a picture of it. It's the picture of being placed underwater and can't breathe and someone holding you under. And that's what the devil is literally doing to many of our lives. The devil has his hands on top of you and he's holding you underneath that water and it's your desire to gasp for air. And it's that last little plunge that you would push him off and you would raise up and you would... That's the desire that God's talking about you've got to have if you're going to accomplish his will. It must be the greatest desire in your life. You know, I can remember all those years ago when I was saved. Do you remember what it felt like? I want you to think about it just for a quick minute. I want you to go back because last Sunday night, that was the word that God kept speaking to us here. God kept saying, go back and do your first works again. Well, that's certainly Scripture in the book of Revelations, but God's telling us to do the first works over. If I'm going to be what has caused me to change, 
Well, I can easily remember what it was when I was knelt on that floor and I was watching that television and my life was in such a mess. And Billy Graham said, pray. And I dropped down there on that floor in front of that television set and I accepted Jesus as my Savior. But I remember just as well. Now, I I cannot tell you the exact words I I said. Let me guess. Is that better? I can't tell you the exact words I said, but I can tell you I remember the sense that I got. Inside of me for the first time in my life, it exploded. This enthusiasm to do the will of God. All of a sudden, in a moment of time, I knew that I had a new purpose. Now, up until that time, I was, I was a nothing going nowhere. But all of a sudden, in that moment, I can remember what that born again, what that experience was. All of a sudden, inside of me, unleashed, it unleashed this knowing inside my life that God had a purpose and a plan for me. And ignited in me the desire to do that. And I gave myself to that. I mean, that, that desire would run, run, run. And I want to tell you, that was the desire that each one of you had. God built that inside of each one of us. God created us, that in, a, in us, that desire to complete His will. Now, life is complicated. Life is busy. So it's, if you're not careful before long, it began to take a hold on you, and you just begin doing life. And if you don't watch it, you begin to pour so much water on that fire till eventually that fire tries to go out. But there's something I believe that God needs every believer to pray And that is to pray that God would ignite the fire, the passionate fire inside of our life. You know, that's been a prayer that I've prayed for all these many years. It's one of the most, it's the strongest prayer I possibly pray for and pray for myself. Is I, I pray that above the protection prayer, above whatever it is, I pray that God would so ignite that fire that he put inside me would never, ever, ever go out for his glory. That God would cause that passionate desire that God has created in each one of us. And it's the desire to please Him. It's the desire to do His will. It's the desire to to fulfill the purpose that He put us on earth to do. That great desire that God put inside of us. So God created that desire inside of us. Amen? Amen? There's, uh, you know, one of those, you can imagine that that desire is God said, I'm going to use your body, Mary. That's what the angel literally told her. I'm going to use your body to bring God into this world. You know, we, we simply say, Lord, why did you come as a baby? Well, there's, there's two reasons I think that God came as a baby. Number one is because nobody's afraid of a baby. And God wanted you to know that about him. God wanted you to know you didn't have to fear him. He loved you. That he was not against you, but he's for you. Everybody looks at a little baby and there's such a, such a tenderness that comes out of their heart because they know. And God wanted his, your first sight of him to be in the form of a baby and the second thing is because God wanted to come the very way that you and I come God wanted us all to know that we could relate to him and he could relate to us God wanted you to know he understands what you're going through he understands what you're having to fight through he understands all those things and God being such a God of love not so not only can he understand but God can help us in that amen and God can help us to overcome that Now, in Luke chapter 1, verse 46, it said this, My soul, this is what, My soul praises the Lord, and my heart rejoices in my Savior. There's two things. If I'm I'm going to desire to do the will of God, there's two things I can expect to be in my life, I need in my life. Number one is enthusiasm. I can never lose my enthusiasm for God. 
Do you know what the word enthusiasm means in, in the Greek? What it literally means, it means in God. <laughs> it literally means in God. How, how are you going to remain enthusiastic? How are you going to remain passionate? Because you're going to stay in God. You're going to walk in God and love God. You're going to get up every morning. Do you know in one of the major ways to know if you're desiring God's purpose more than any other thing is to think how you start every day. That's a good test of what we're desiring. See, sometimes we get up and we're our master of our own little world, aren't we? We've got it all figured out and we really don't need God. We sure don't have to stop and ask God to be with us. But a person that understands their need for God, they're going to have that time every day where they're going to give God the opportunity. I'm so thankful this morning that I was able to wake up and I can still remember the excitement I had in just a few hours ago when I woke up and I got up and went in and sat down in my and God's chair and all of a sudden, I was sitting there and I was just waiting for his direction. Because I tell you, I can't make life. I can't do life. I, life will not work for me. God has to be the one that gives us a direction and a guidance in our life. Now, you that, that have that desire for God's purposes, that's the way you feel about things. You can't do it yourself. You can't decide it. You can't figure out what vocation. You can't figure out what school. You can't figure out what job. You can't because God is the only one. God put us here for a purpose. And if I'm going to fulfill God's purpose, I've got to have God's direction in my life. So it's just about important. So enthusiasm is the number one. We've we got to be in God. <laughs> I mean, you've got to stay in God. Somebody says, what you going to do? I'm, I don't know, but I know I'm in God. What you going to do? I'm, I don't know, but I know I'm in God. I may not know, but I'm in God. And out of that in God, it's enthusiasm, this excitement, this fire that continues to burn in our life. And the next thing that Mary had was not only the enthusiasm. She said, I rejoice. Now, Mary could have cried over what God has spoken to her because she was fixed to be rejected by her family, misunderstood about her fiancé. And for the rest of her life, she was known, we'll talk about that in just a few minutes, how her life was really ridiculed. But the thing, but the thing about her is that she had that. She said, I rejoice. What did I do? I and the second quality was, is she was humble. Humility. If you're, if you're not humble, you're going to say, well, God, I guess I will take a little time for you. But you that realize and recognize your need for God, you're going to say, Lord, thank you. Thank you for giving me an opportunity to enter in your presence. Thank you for giving me an opportunity to hear you. Thank you, God. There's that sense of need and that sense of desire. It's not dependent on yourself, but you're dependent on God. And if you're dependent on God, if you're dependent, if you're needing, if, you're, if your desire is to please God, you can always test it by where you go for your direction. You can always test it. Amen. So the first key is, is you must desire it. The first key to my life, the first key that if I'm going to live out God's purposes is that I will have to have desire. And my prayer is, is that that what it would be. I mean, we, that Christmas time, we say, what can we give Jesus? Now, sometimes we never think about that. We say, what's he going to give me? And, and isn't this something we don't, a lot, a lot of times we don't even care about birthday boys gift. <laughs> I mean, it's Jesus' birthday, and there's a sense that I am to give him. And so I encourage you, there's only one thing. Why do you give a God that has everything? Why do you give a God that has everything? You give a God more of what he already has. See, God has a part of me. Why can I give God? I can give God more of me. 
I don't know whether that's 70%. I don't know if that's 40%. And Lane thinks it's sometimes maybe 2%. But, it, but the thing about it is, I can give God more of me. I can say, God, I desire your will. I've tried it my own path. I've tried it my own way. I want to be, I want to be pleasing to you. But the second thing, the second quality has to be in a person's life that God's going to use you in Mary's life. Mary said in, in uh, Luke chapter 1, verse 38, said, Mary said, I am the Lord's servant. I am willing to do whatever he wants. You know, you need to take your, your pen and you need to circle whatever. Because the second thing is people that God uses are people who decide to pay the cost. Because it's going to cost you. It's going to cost you to do the will of God. It costs Mary to do the will of God. It's going to be a cost that's involved with God's purposes being able to live through you. But I'm going to tell you what, until you've been used by God, you don't know what living is, honey. Until you have been used as the vessel of the Lord in some way operating in that purpose and that plan that God has for you, then you don't know what living is. I, I used Brother Donald this morning, early service. I'm gonna, so if I may, I'm going to use him again. In fact, in my heart, as I was thinking about this, paying the cost, then, then I immediately thought about Brother Donald and his life. <laughs> but but Donald, but brother Donald, it's okay. Chance, I'll just still stay with it. I'll just, I'll just try not to move. No, no, no. If it, if it gets too aggravating, raise your hand and I will go some other kind. But I either have to put up with it like this or Elaine says, you don't know how to keep your mouth on the mic when I'm trying to hold one. So anyway. So, uh, but it, it's important to, to recognize. And, and Brother Donald's, I've, I watched him. He worked for an international paper company. But Don had a purpose in it. It wasn't to just roll paper. <laughs> that wasn't his purpose. His purpose was to fulfill God's purpose through him. And, and because of that, Donald won so many to the Lord while he was employed at International Paper. And today, some of those that he won are now pastoring churches in this area. People that he touched. And Don always had such an excitement, an excitement to go to work, an excitement to be a part because his purpose was more than just making money. His purpose was much higher. And so he would go out there and he would do, he was always known for doing his job, but, but he would not only do his job, he would do the purpose that God had put him there. And because of that, in those boiler rooms and those break rooms, he led many to the Lord. And today, that fruit is now standing in pulpits preaching the gospel around the country. So I'm just so thankful to the Lord. But then all of a sudden, when International Paper Company went, went down, I said, oh, Donald, you're at a rough age to, for your company to be closing. That's, that's a rough age. But see, Donald wasn't worried about the company. It was God's purpose. And so at his age that he was, and this wasn't too long ago, he went back to college, completed his degree, and come out with a social degree and, and, and began working in the public schools. And that very same thing started happening. 
I would meet the little kids that Donald would work with and they would be so excited because he had the purpose and his purpose was was to be able to touch people's lives through whatever vehicle God provided for him. Amen. And now he's retired and he's he's full-time trying to straighten my life out. It's so good, though, when you know a purpose. It's so good to live out God's purposes and to realize there is a cost involved. It's going to cost you. It's going to cost, you're going to have to give up some stuff to fulfill God's purpose. You're going, to have to, you're going to have to take some risk. That's all doing God's purpose. God's going to, if you're going to do God's will, it's going to take those things working in your life. And you circle that word, whatever, that was in the Scripture. That, that Mary strictly said, I'll do whatever. And then you have to be, understand what is that whatever to you. What is it that God's asking you to do? What is it that God's called you to do? What is it that God's asked you to give up to fulfill His purpose? Now, we could quickly think about Mary, and, and it wouldn't be hard at all to think about what her cost was. First cost, it was her reputation. And I want you to know, if you're going to really be used by God, there's going to be moments in your life that where you're going to have to give up your reputation. You're going to have to be more concerned. God's going to bring each believer, I believe, to a place where you're going to have to be more concerned about what God thinks and what other people think around you. And Mary, there she was. God had called her to such an unbelievable task. God had called her to be the house where God would come through. But I want you to know, at first, it destroyed her reputation with her fiancé. And I'm sure that Mary had to fight fear that I'm going to lose the man that I deeply love. My pursuit of God, because it's hard, like I said, it's hard to go to your fiancé and say, hey, I'm pregnant, right? And, but, but more than that, I'm going to bring God into this world. Now, I remember back in the 60s, some of you don't remember that, you're not near old enough, but back in the 60s, there was this crave about flying saucers. Now, everybody was on the lookout for flying saucers. And I hardly didn't know a person that somewhere they didn't see a flying saucer. But I'm going to tell you what, it's just, it'd be just the same if somebody walked up to you and said, I took a ride in a flying saucer last night. If you think about what Mary, they had to believe. They had to believe. Some of you, it'd be just like you going up and say, I had a, I had a date with Elvis last night. <laughs> it's just as unbelievable and probably even more so. But God called her. It was, God, it was her purpose. If she was going to bring God into this world, she had to be willing to lay her reputation on the line. And she had to be willing. She had to be willing to give up what it takes. But not only was it with her fiancé, but it was with her parents. And I don't know if it was ever regained with her parents. See, because she said, I have been chosen. This is miraculous. I've been chosen to bring God into the world. But you know, Jesus was 30 years of age before he proved what he was. Before he did his first miracle. And then some people then never accepted it. So I don't know that her family... In fact, when, when they cared Jesus to be dedicated, it was just them, which it would normally be a family gathered around them. But, but some way their family had rejected her. So I'm going to tell you what, there's got to be times if God's called you to a purpose, you've got to get ready. There's going to be some times where you're going to have to love God more than you love anybody in your life. And there's going to have to be those moments. That doesn't mean that you'll be any less of a wife, any less of a husband. I believe God makes you more... But I believe God makes me more more to gently Elaine because I love God more than I do Elaine. And I believe it makes Lane more to me because she loves God more than me. 
You've got to make the dedication. There has to be a cost. There's a cost involved with God's will. You won't accidentally walk upon it. It won't accidentally be fulfilled. It'll be, it becomes your great desire. And it becomes your great desire to where you're willing to pay whatever it takes to see that happen in your life. Amen. It cost her comfort. See, because it was by ritual then when she went to Bethlehem where Jesus was born in that stable... Uh, normally she would be staying with family members because her, their families were from Bethlehem. But they had no family member that would let them stay. So she ended up staying in a stable. It paid, cost her comfort. But the third thing, it also cost her. It cost her problems. You're not going to be able to do the will of God without problems. There's going to be problems that you're going to have to believe God that He's big enough to overcome. Now, you college guys, y'all know, y'all already been through some of that. First, got to believe God for money. Then got to believe God that mom and daddy are going to let me go. And, uh, <laughs> but, but in that sense, that it brings problems. If you're going to fulfill God's purpose, you must get ready. It's going to help problems. Let me say, I thought I was in the will of God. I got up this morning and all these problems. That's a sure sign you are in the will of God. Because, see, those problems, those problems are not to stop you. They're to help you need God more. And they're to move you into a place where it cannot happen unless God does it for you. <laughs> Mary had all kinds of problems. Can you imagine what it is to try to raise Jesus and keep him ahead of the devil? You know how they did? They had to move into Egypt. When the guy in Egypt stayed there a little bit, then they had to bring him back. I mean, she was constantly having to move here and there to, to keep Jesus ahead of the devil's tactics that was trying to destroy him. I mean, it's going to be problems. But if you desire to do the purposes of God, and when you're willing to pay the cost no matter what it is, amen, then God has a person that can do the will of God. Let me close with this one. Oh, let me talk about in the purpose. If I'm going to be able to fulfill, if I'm going to be able to pay the cost, I'm going to have to be willing to allow the passion of God to continue burning in me. I can't let it go out. If your life is dependent on God's direction in your life, then you cannot afford to allow the fire of God to go out in your life. You know, that's not whether I'm preaching good or preaching bad. And that's not whether Stephen is singing good or singing bad. That's in you. It's your responsibility. If you call to, be a, to live out God's purposes, it's every person's responsibility to keep that fire of God going in your life. And I'll be honest with you. I go to church three days a week, but it's not these church services that keep me alive that keep that fire burning. It's because what I do when I get up every day, that's what's going to keep the fire burning in my life. And so you've got to take that responsibility. It's not anybody else. It's not your husband. It's not your wife. It's not your uncles. It's not your aunts. There's a song that says something like that. But anyway, it's not anybody's responsibility, but it's your responsibility to keep the fire of God burning in your life. Amen. And then you, you have to feed it. You've got to feed that desire. I, I tell you, I would be, I'd be so discouraged. If I, number one, if I, if, I didn't own, if I didn't own God's thoughts, if I owned whatever the thoughts were going on in my head, Man, I would have quit the ministry a long time ago, but I probably quit every other job I had too a long time ago because that's what life is. 
You got to feed what you want to stay alive in you. If you want, if you want the desire of God, if you want the purpose of God to, to stay alive in you, then you constantly must feed it. Because what you don't feed will die. But what you feed will live. There is a reason that we tote that Bible. There is a reason that we get in that word in the morning. There is a reason why we can't make a step unless we get the direction for God. It's because we cannot afford not to feed that that God has put in us. Now, that's, so, that's the way it is in every, any vocation. I mean, if you're called to be a leader or called to be a, a, a manager or something, unless you're consistently feeding that, then that goes cold or the, or the industry goes off and leaves you. And I'm saying that same way in God. I tell you, the kingdom of God is forever moving. It's forever moving forward. And if I'm going to continue to move with it, I've got to be at a place where I'm feeding what I want to live inside my life. I'm going to tell you, there's been times to keep that fire burning in my life. I had to come in and tell Lane. I said, Lane, I've got to be gone for a few days. I'm just going to go off. And she didn't ask. She knew I wasn't going fishing. She knew I wasn't going hunting. And she, wouldn't, she knew I was just going away to shut myself up with God because there was a danger going on inside of me of that fire of God going out. And I could not allow that fire of God to go out in my life. I had to, so it do what it takes. Now, there's, uh, I come in to the house and say, I've, I've got to go be in my room. I can't, can't be here. I, I can't, you know, I, I understand my favorite television show may be on, but there's something more important going on right now and, than me feeding my flesh. I must find a way to feed my spirit. And because of that, it will be a cost that will be involved. But I'm going to tell you what, honey, if you're willing to pay that cost, then God is ready to use you for the glory of God. Now, number three. The third person that God uses is people who dare to trust His promises. If God's purpose is going to live in all of our life, it's going to have to be miraculous. In fact, that's the only way God's going to get the glory from it. it it's not what you can do, it's what God can do that's going to make your life. And so they say, well, I know God won't call me to do that because I can't. Honey, that's probably the very reason He is going to call you to do it. <laughs> Because God wants to what happened, what He does through you to be so miraculous. God wants Himself to be able to get the glory. Because to be honest with you, if you get the glory, it's going to die with you. But if you let God get the glory, it's eternal and live forever. And so the Lord is dealing with, your, with our hearts about that, that, that we've got to trust, trust the promises. And that's what Mary said. Mary said, I believe the promises. That's what Elizabeth said about Mary in Luke chapter 2. He said, because you believe God what he said. And I want you to know it's because that you're willing to believe God. You're willing to believe the promises. The reason that Duane is healed today is not because that he knew what to do. It's because he only knew what the promises promise of God had told him. Whatever it is, and the devil will convince you that marriage is gone. The devil will convince you that the family's gone. The devil will convince you that that finance is gone. But you've got to have the promise of God to hold on to. Because the the promise of God is what you hold on to when you can't see it and you can't feel it and you can't figure out any way that it's going to happen. But you say, I know God will be faithful to His promise. I know God said I can trust Him. Amen. In fact, the, the promises of the Lord, if I'm going to trust God, it's going to have to be faith. Everybody say faith. faith. What faith means is I believe it when I don't see it and I don't feel it. I've got, I've got to understand that if I'm going to be the person that God can use, 
I must be willing to let it be based on the promise. I must believe it when I can't see it. The second thing, I've got to be willing to take risk. I've got to believe God enough to be able to take risk. If I'm going to trust his promises, it's going to cause me to be able to take some risk. Now, Peter was in that boat, and God, Jesus spoke to him and said, Peter, come to me. The only problem is Peter had never walked on the water, and really Peter didn't know if anybody could walk on water. But Jesus said, take a risk, Peter. Take a risk. And somebody says, well, God told me to do that, but I don't think I can do that, honey. Take a risk. God said, well, God wanted me to do that that over there, but don't, God, take a risk. God, if you believe God and put your trust in the Lord, you've got to come to those points where it's going to have to be God. So Peter, what Peter did, he took that foot and he stepped out on nothing. He had never seen anybody walk on nothing, but God had told him to come. And because that he believed the promise of God, he stepped out on nothing. Now, he may have tiptoed or he may have what, but he still took that step. I don't know what it is, but somewhere in the process of you finding God's purpose, God's going to ask you to step out on nothing. God's going to give you some steps that you're going to have to trust God. You're going to have to believe the Lord to be able to do it. And if you refuse to do that, that door will be closed. But you that will trust God, everybody say trust God. Though you that will trust God, you that will trust God and willing to believe in something you can't see it, something you can't feel, but the Word of God has told you, if you're willing to do that, then God can use you in His kingdom for the glory of God. Because those that trust God, they have courage. They do. You know, courage is not the absence of fear. Courage is the willingness to do it in the face of fear. Some people say, you know, Jerry, I, I would really like to obey God in my life. I feel like God is leading me. I feel, I feel this is God's purpose in my life. But in that, in that, same, in that same process, you've got to be willing You've got to be willing to take courage. Do you know the greatest miracles in the Bible came through people that even though they were afraid, they did it anyway with faith in God? God had called Gideon, a little lone person that lived his life in a cave out of fear. But God called Gideon out of that cave. And God said, Gideon, if you have courage... This can happen. And Gideon is one of the perfect examples of how God can use you. Our God could possibly use me to fulfill God's purpose on this earth if I'm willing to push fear down to not let it control me but allow my trust in God to arise. Have faith in the Lord. The last mention I want to do of Mary is in that same vein, trusting God. Mary learned how to take worry and to transform it into worship. And you've got that choice to fulfill the purposes of God. We can worry about that or we can worship God about that. But what worship does, according to the book of Psalms, Chapter 22, it says, when I worship, it brings God into my situation. 
So Mary just learned that. She was a little, I, I can imagine Mary, a little frail girl, as a teenager. Her family rejected her. Even her fiancé for a while because said he wanted to put her away privately. She was rejected by the neighbors. Can you imagine what she went through? Can you imagine what it was when they pointed at her and said, she says that she's going to have God. Can't be possible. And I'm sure maybe before that she'd walked down the road to the wells of water with her friends. Now all of a sudden her friends weren't there anymore. Because she had become one of those ladies. She had become one of those that you couldn't trust anymore. Because what she was saying was so foolish. But the Bible said the way she dealt with all of that is she just worshipped God. She worshipped God. There's something about taking the promise of God and worshipping with it. So when you're misunderstood by people and you're rejected by people and and you're turned out to pastor by people that they think, well, he's just gone off his lid. You stand in those places and you worship. And as you worship God in the midst of those hard places, God comes in the situation and God can help. Lord, I just want to thank you today that right here at Christmas time, Lord, we're, we're at a, a time where our hearts are just thinking about what can I give to you? What can I give you, Lord? What do you not have in me? What part of me, God, do you not have? Let me bring it to you, Lord, this Christmas. Let me present to you a life. Let me be willing, Lord, number one, to desire your purposes. Number two, let me be willing to pay whatever cost it takes. And and number three, let me dare to believe your promises, Lord. In Jesus' name. With your head still bowed, just a quick moment, I want to quickly say, if you're here this morning and you need to make some things right with the Lord, we're going to just pray together. I want you to quickly raise your hand up right there and say, Jerry, I need to make some things right with God. God sees those hands. Three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Need to make things right with it. Nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen, sixteen, seventeen. And the reason I count because every number is important with God that God counts sheep. That's what he does. He counts sheep. And the Lord cares about it. Now what I'm going to do with all 20 or so of you right now, I'm going to pray the little simple prayer. And we're just going to bring our life to the Lord and we're going to simply ask God to forgive us because we want more than anything, don't we? We want God 
Let's pray together. Would you, would you just simply pray this, whisper this, Lord? God can hear the whispers just the same as he can hear the shouts. And would you just say, Father, I'm sorry for my sin. I confess my sin to you. And I come, Lord, to yield my life to you. Forgive me for my failure. Forgive me for my sin. Cleanse me, O oh God. And help me, Lord. Let your grace, Lord, let your grace mount up in my life and help me, O oh God. Help me to live for you. Help me not to miss your purpose, Lord. Help me not to miss your plan for my life. Help me, Lord. Help me, Lord. Help me, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, you that raised your hand or you that possibly didn't, but you prayed that prayer, then you can rest assured. The Bible says God is faithful. That means every time. He doesn't miss one time. He's faithful and just to forgive you and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. Now, very quickly, one more little simple prayer before we walk out this morning. If you're here this morning, if there's any concern over you missing the purposes of God in your life, you might say, Jerry, you know, I feel like I may have really doubted. I feel like I didn't trust the miraculous. You know, I feel like I wasn't willing to pay the cost, but I want to redo it. I want another chance at fulfilling God's purpose. that's you, I want you to simply stand right where you're seated. If you say, I want another chance to fulfill God's purposes in my life. I want another chance. I want another opportunity. I want, I want God to try me again. I want God to give me another opportunity not to fail. I want the Lord to help me. Help me. Help me do it. Help me do it. Lord, in the name of Jesus, Lord, we just come before you, Lord. We just come before you this morning, God, to bring to you our offering, our gift to you. And Lord, we're bringing our desire. And we say, Lord, we we may have failed, but Lord, we want, we want, we want desperately to please you. We want desperately to live out your purposes through us, Lord. Lord, we don't want to live this life for ourselves. We want to live out what you've called us to live. We want to do what you've called us to do. We want to be what you've called us to be, Lord. And in Jesus' name, we repent and we turn towards you to receive by faith your miraculous help. In Jesus' name, hallelujah. Well, praise the Lord. Wow, God is good, isn't he? Let's all stand, everyone. Lord, ask you to bless these and keep these and cause your face to shine upon them. And Lord, cause your peace, your great peace, to come upon every family. And then, Lord, I ask you to make every family that's represented here today, Lord, make it a joyous Christmas. Lord, make it a Christmas that you want to, where that you're able to minister your peace and your joy. Lord, I ask you to help every family to experience you during this Christmas season for the glory of God in Jesus' name.